I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. From Postcard from the Past and Wardour Studios, this is podcast from the past, the program where we discover and discuss the old postcards that my guests treasure, love, or simply never got round to chucking away. And we find out exactly what those cards mean to them. I'm Tom Jackson, and my guests today are Peter Watts and Samira Ahmed. Peter and Samira, I'm delighted that you are here. We are too, and enjoying our lattes. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Now, Peter Watts is a journalist who started out as a sports writer but he's made the fabric and spirit of London his specialist subject. He ran the Big Smoke column in Time Out and continues to produce the Great When blog. His writings appeared in all the newspapers worth reading, and Peter is also the author of the excellent and highly recommended new book Up in Smoke, which tells the story of Battersea Power Station and its long, painful transformation from a cathedral of industry to the themed backdrop to a multi-million pound luxury housing project. And Peter arrives wearing a postmark from Cheam in Surrey. (laughs) Peter, do you still send postcards? No, I don't, but my children do regularly when we go on holiday. And who do they send them to? To grandparents. And they get a lot of them from grandparents as well. In fact, my my mother-in-law sends a postcard every day when she goes away. Every day? To both children, they get one each. That's very good. And that, that, that warms the heart. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of reading. (laughs) <laughs> for a five-year-old <laughs> well and you have to learn to read somewhere yeah but it's lovely yeah they, they like it they, they can keep track of her uh, her journeys around in search of rare birds around england excellent well that's nice to hear now if you ever listen to the radio or watch the television then samira ahmedley's little introduction she's worked as a news journalist with a long stint on channel 4 news she was a bbc news correspondent covering the oj simpson trial And she presents the BBC's Newswatch on a Saturday morning, taking the BBC's news output to task and keeping the journalists on track. She also has an ideal billet these days, manning the cultural barricades on Front Row on Radio 4. And Samira arrives bearing a New Malden postmark. (laughs) Samira, when did you last send a postcard? Um, You know, I'm really worried. The last one I remember sending was the one of Freddie Mercury's statue in, um, is it Montreux? Where Maybe. he used to live. I was doing a conference for the United Nations about fair trade and we were staying at this grand hotel. I remember sending one because my kids are obsessed with Freddie Mercury and Queen. Um, but I have to confess, I don't think I, I think I stopped sending them in the last couple of years when my kids are teenagers. They don't care. 
They don't care. Well, uh, there's a a lesson for all of us there. Uh, But I have a theory that postcards and their messages do in some way uh, track and parallel all our lives, perhaps in ways we don't even recognise. I'm always trying to find a connection between our guests' professional lives and picture postcards. Uh, Peter, I was wondering, do you see some cultural parallel between your work when you're investigating and chronicling London and picture postcards. Is, is London a great mosaic that's made up of lots of different little images, the way picture postcards tell us a story about the past? It, that does remind me of the, that bit in Train Spotting where um, they all come down from Edinburgh to, um, to London and there are all those very classic postcard scenes of London. Like, you know, this is what London looks like to someone if, if they've only experienced it through postcards. And that's exactly how sort of Train Spotting guys experienced it when they were down here. I think either selling or buying or taking drugs. I don't know. I'm going to pass that on to Samira at the rest of that. <laughs> I, I do love them, but I love the, you know, the retro views of cities. So whenever I've travelled, whether it when I worked in Berlin or, you know, even in London, which I've always loved, um, I like buying all those retro ones from, you know, even if it's just from the 70s. And I also like those ones from tourist attractions which aren't quite, like Sellafield, you know, mm. with different views of um, the visitor centre and the, the Raptor. Motorway service stations. You know, there aren't enough. So one of my favourite locations in the world is the Leicester Forest East service station, which has one of those things across, you know, it has, you can sit in a gallery yeah, over. Like across space yeah. yeah. And it's still got that kind of 60s futuristic vibe about it. I think that should be a picture postcard. But it isn't. I don't think it is. Well, you should be able to there buy them there. I stop there every time I have an excuse. Well, before we reveal the cards that my guests have brought along, this is a card from uh, Langdale Pikes. You should have made us guess. Let's have a look. Oh, where do you think this one's from? See, I would have said that was Canada. It's, it's Langdale got pine Pikes. Trees. It's clearly Langdale Pikes. Not the Lake District. Uh, peaks. Peaks. Oh, the Peak District. And is it? Yes, I think it is. Maybe it is the Lake District. This is from 1957. The message I've chosen reads, There is no point you meeting me in Leeds. I have a most awful rash all over my body. Oh, brilliant. So I That's think... not how it starts, though, is it? No, that's my selected <laughs> highlight. If I read the whole thing, it'd be very, very tedious. There's always a bit of preamble before you get straight into the, the rash. Not, <laughs> not in you my leave world. Them, leave them gently to the rash. You remember that night we shared in... <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, sparing, well. I'm sparing the blushes of the person who wrote it. The thing about postcards that I've always found a bit difficult is... Anyone can read it. And I remember, I think this is probably why I don't send them. It's like a traumatic memory that's <laughs> risen to the surface. When I went to work in Belfast, I was a news trainee. So, you know, and they look at you as, oh, these, these you know, children who come from London who think they're so special because they're on a fast track scheme. And I was in the, the Belfast newsroom and I wrote a postcard to my uh, mum saying how exciting it was. And, of course, this was still the time of the Troubles. I may have said something about, you know, and there's armed, you know, soldiers on the streets and everything. And, you know, idiot me, I put it in the out tray in the office. And you know what happened? Everyone went in the office picking it up, reading it, laughing and put, putting it back down in the out tray. And it was still there two days later. And that's when I realised, shit, you know. <laughs> I wonder if postmen do just used to sit and read postcards as they went round. I mean... I don't know... I... I don't think they have time. You wouldn't have thought so. Because there used to be, a, I mean, at one, they say there's still five million postcards delivered a year. I mean, the postman would, mind you, the post is quite often late. But I, I suppose my, <laughs> my point is that a postcard is often a diary entry. It's often quite personal because it's been sent to someone you have an affection for. So 
it's like writing your diary and leaving it out in the open. And if if it's somewhere where people know you, like in my office environment, now I've realised that you know they would be interested in reading a postcard by that new girl who's come. They're trying to work out what to make of her. So you're saying you'd never admit about the rash? Well, I tell on, you, I never use the outbox at the BBC for anything. No. But no, but you, also you realise with the hindsight, of course, you wouldn't put a post postcard in there. You should just go and put it in the postcard. But there are de- there are degrees of privacy, aren't there? Yeah. And, um, you know, like people who you're, often you'll write a postcard and give it to the hotel concierge to post. A, I'm never sure they're going to post it. Yeah. And you can't really say anything nasty about the hotel. Like because... about the, all those things you want to say about the concierge yeah, yeah. in that postcard. There's this dreadful man at the hotel. <laughs> oh, would you like to post this for me? No, it's not going to happen. Right, enough of that. Now, uh, Peter and Samira, you've been kind enough to come along here today with pockets stuffed with postcards. Uh, Peter, would you like to tell us about the first card that you've brought along? Yeah, I will do. I mean, and firstly, I'd just say I found this... Really interesting. So I went under my bed and I found a load of postcards I'd received sort of when I was sort of 16, between the ages of 16 and 22. And me and my friends, I didn't realise quite how often we sent each other postcards. We just did it all the time. Um, and there, there were a lot more to choose from than, than, I, than I thought I had. So this one was sent in 1992 from Vancouver. Um, it's from my best friend, Michael. Um, what's, what's the image? What are we looking at? The image is of it's it's of Vancouver with the mountains behind, and Beautiful. there's the what's that? I don't know what that is. But that's a, some kind it's of sports sports stadium. Um, it looks like the city, you know, the capital in the Hunger Games. <laughs> it does. It's it? like the view from the train. Jennifer Lawrence is coming in for the uh, the now, grand do you know what? final. I think, as you can see from the the holes in this, I had this pinned on my notice board. <laughs> in my, but I don't think I've ever actually looked at the front of it. I mean, that's the other thing. I don't think I've ever in, looked at the front of it. It's, Maybe you were I'm only who, interested. You're a writer. You flip over the only interested in, in the message from Michael. He addresses it to Jimmy Hill, which was his nickname for me because nice. he thought I, he, I had a large chin. Um, oh, I thought it was a meta thing where he's writing it as a piece of football commentary to you. No, it was no. purely insulting. Okay. And he sent me this postcard to say he had got tickets to go see the Reading Festival. I got tickets for Reading before I left, so get your splash at the Reddy from the Celt. P.S. There's not even any soccer about. What, um, should I ask what get your splash ready means? Um I think he was asking me to pay for the tickets. Splash money. Yeah. How naive. It should be splosh, I'd have thought. But... <laughs> it's a rhyming slang, isn't it? I don't know what is it, it is, actually. Cash. Dosh. Splash for splosh. cash. Splosh. Yeah. cash. Oh, splash cash. Michael always has and still does use a lot of slang. So we went to see Reading, and the reason I remember this postcard, I remember getting it and being slightly alarmed that I actually would have to follow through on my promise to go to the Reading Festival. And then we went on the Sunday um, in 1992. We saw a load of bands, saw Teenage Fan Clubs, saw L7, saw Nick Cave. The headliners were Nirvana. And um, me and Michael at that point decided that we were a bit sort of muddy and tired and bored. And so we, um, we left as, just as Nirvana were coming on. And so my, my sort of main memory of that card is sort of the excitement of going, but also this sort of decision which I regret of not staying around for Nirvana. <laughs> Even at the time, did you not think as you were leaving, why are we leaving? We were really mu- I remember being really muddy. It was a really muddy day. Oh. It was really mu- I've mud all the way up my legs. I remember, I remember getting the train home, um, actually on the district line to Wimbledon. All these people were just like looking at us because we just smelt of like festival mud. It's a very See, peculiar have, smell. This reminds me, I have never been to one of these festivals and I never will. And I feel <laughs> I'm completely justified. I've only You'd been have to left two. long before Nirvana. You wouldn't have gone at all. I've been to one festival. I went to Latitude, but it was because I was doing an event. Well, that's um, quite a bookish festival, isn't it? Yeah, and we were only there for the day. I didn't have to. And it's like a big thing is, oh, God, the loos, the loos, the loos. I yeah. had to go to the loo once. What, what were the loos like at Reading? I don't remember the loos very much. Um, that's I think, probably why you had to leave in a hurry. Yeah, it, that the could well Come be on. the reason. And, and the other reason I like this postcard is that um, 
I, I went on to interview some of the bands that are on that lineup, and Michael became a drummer and, and performed with Teenage Fan Club there. I think they're, they're, they're his friends, actually. Obviously, as 16-year-old kids, you know, we, had, we sort of could never have imagined what was to lie ahead of us. And I saw Michael quite recently, and I remember I, I was talking to him about this, and I said, you know, do you regret not staying for Nirvana? He has no regrets whatsoever. He just says, I don't like Nirvana, I didn't like them then, don't like them now. Um, but Michael is someone Some who... like to rewrite history. Michael they? doesn't have regrets. That's one of his... Uh... What about you, though? Do you have regrets? Yeah, I do, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do wish I'd stayed because, I mean, you know, within a year, Kurt Cobain had killed himself. And um, obviously at the time... I didn't know that this would be my only chance to see Nirvana. Do you know what I really remember? Because I was working... Oh, when did he... It was 92, wasn't it? He died in 93. 93. I no, rem- 94, sorry. I remember being in a newsroom and the Daily Express had obviously just worked out that, that Nirvana were quite big and they had... You know how they project, prepare their magazines in advance and they'd done this whole supplement on, you know, this is who Nirvana and Kurt Cobain is this big new star and you're going to hear a lot about him and it came out the week he oh, died. Just, oh, really? just yes, after. Yes. Just after. Do you know my professor... Died was called in to analyse his suicide note. Really? Yeah, my professor, Reggie Alton, is Professor English, but is a specialist in... um, It's a kind of um, paleographology. Amazing. So the study of writing, historically. Mm. And he was called in to authenticate... Do you remember Vince Foster, the Clinton's Mm. um, legal friend who also committed suicide? Mm. He was called in on that case. He was called in on, on Kurt Cobain. And he couldn't definitively prove, but there was evidence that obviously stuff had been added... Good really? Lord. Yeah. You heard it and here I remember, first. And I remember he told me, so I just graduated three years earlier, and he said, oh, you may have heard about this case. He was a pop star. <laughs> Reggie wow. was lovely. He'd fought in the war. And so, you know, he had no connection to the world of pop music, mm. but he knew his craft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Oh, Peter, thank you very much for sharing with us that uh, interesting insight into your, um, your musical youth and, and um, your, your deepest regrets, uh, and, and also just capturing that little moment of excitement when you're... Uh, um, a, a teenager and the world is kind of opening up to you. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an exciting moment in, in anyone's life. Um, I should remind listeners to this podcast that images from all the cards that we discuss are on the website, so you'll be able to play along at home. Samira, what's the first delivery you've got for us? Right, so this is um, a picture I bought when I was 10 in the National Gallery in London, and it's of Christina of Denmark. It's by Hans Holbein the Younger, and it was a she was a prospective bride of Henry VIII, I think around the time of Anne of Cleves, where they were deciding who he married after Joan Seymour. And I'm going to say right now, I have not researched this since I wrote my essay, <laughs> age 10. But the idea was we were taken to do our first art appreciation. So this is my entry to the world that eventually leads to presenting front row, maybe. And we had to choose a painting by the postcard and, um, and write a critical appreciation of it. And the thing that... I got out of this was, number one, my fascination with the virtual history, subjunctive history. What if he had married this woman? Um, But also, how much can be hidden or coded in what seems to be deceptively a simple portrait? So this is a woman standing in a full-length portrait with a black cap, black gown, black coat, everything is black against this beautiful blue background, which is, you'd recognise it straight away. It's a very kind of Holbein image. And you think... Actually, for a portrait, you know, it's not got a lot going on. So everything is in the detail. And I realise things like, you know, the dress is clearly velvet and you realise there's a little bow fastening it. So you just you hone in on the detail. And then the coat over it looks like it's raw silk with this fur lining. And then she's got the cap, which might be velvet or satin. And then you look close and she's clasping this pair of baby kid gloves that are kind of, um, you know, cream coloured. And then on her left hand, there is a red ring on her ring finger. And I can't remember if she was in black because of a, f- of a relative who died or she had been widowed. But... She doesn't look old enough to be widowed, does she? She was, she was very young, wasn't she? But also that sense of 
she's almost, I mean, she's looking down as well. And you find yourself thinking she knows what this portrait's for. I don't know what she's heard about Henry VIII. But this idea of being at the whim of your family's politics and diplomacy. And, um, you know, for a young girl to think about someone just a decade older so this is being a, in that position. this portrait really have been presented to Henry VIII saying this is yeah. what your perspective Basically, it's like, like Tinder yeah. in the 16th century. <laughs> swipe left, painted. swipe right. <laughs> and, you know, I think she's quite a babe. I think she had a narrow escape. So you saw the original painting in the gallery. Yes, and it's there. It's on the ground floor. So when you go, go and look at it. It's stunning. I go in every time I'm passing through the square. You were in the gallery with a group of a group of other girls. Yeah. And you, want, and you just you, it arrested you then? I think it did. And it's interesting because I know other people have said it's one of their favourite portraits too. But it is because it's not obviously showy. Mm. Um, so it sucks you in to work out why it's got a, a power over me. And it it invites closer inspection. And the idea that, you know, she's withholding something. She's sort of being put on display, but she's not helping. She's not putting out, is she? So who would have made the decision to present her like that? Herself, her family, whole one? Because it's not as you say, a particularly sort of glamorous portrayal of, of, of her. She does look elegant, though. She looks elegant, but she looks kind of scared. Do you think she looks scared? I don't know. I think she looks, um, what do you call it? Um, she's holding herself she's together. She's she's looking thoughtful. Um, and she she's avoiding eye contact. Mm. I find this fascinating. So there's something Mona Lisa-esque about the way she's holding her hands, but there's no coyness to the camera. It's... You can see her thinking, and I think she's thinking about what her future holds. Mm. That's why it's haunting. But she's beautiful, and the shadow, and that bright blue. I think what I find fascinating about these portraits is there is this amazing colour to them, which is just a beautiful colour, which is quite modern, um, and the shadow. Yeah, well, you have a nice country kitchen in that blue now, I think. It's very good. <laughs> I was thinking, well, who is that? Eve Klein blue. You know how he claimed he invented Oh, yeah, it's not quite as bright blue. as that, It's it? not quite as bright. But the contrast with the, with her standing black, it's almost as like, how can I get away with doing as unsexy, like as unsexy a, um, a wedding yeah. portrait yes. as I could? Absolutely. And um, she certainly doesn't imply she's keen, does she? No, yeah. but she looks cautious to but me. But she, yeah, she looks cautious. But... Um, and I'm not quite sure why it fell through, but she looks like quite a catch. So you took the postcard, you bought, went to the shop, yeah, handed over your probably would have been five ten pence, p ten pence, yeah, in not a lot of money, yeah. not a lot of money, and then had to go back to school and write, write an essay about this. Yeah, and was that the start of collecting, picking up cards as you went to galleries? Yes, and you know, I was thinking, I you know, I grew up in the seventies and eighties, and I went to university where you know. Anything like this, you had to buy your physical memento of. You couldn't mm. just go and look at it online and download an image. And even I forget how you can't possibly source an image like this. You couldn't in those days. Mm. And I think this one went up on many notice boards. I took it to university with me. I, you know, you know, kind of equivalent of what people now do on Pinterest. But then it was in front of you. And I guess in a sense I was collecting what I, I think now are probably feminist icons in some way. So I think something that, yeah, spoke to you. Spoke Women to from, you. The, from the ages who seemed to speak out even through their silence. Um, and also, I mean, there's a, there's a style element to it, which is, you know, less is more. <laughs> Would you ever send these sort of postcards that you, that you bought and get, that you get in galleries or is no one deserving of them? Do you know, I, I, occasionally I would and I sometimes buy fun ones. But on the whole, I'd buy them for me. Yeah. And my biggest um, sadness has been since I got married, it turns out I married a man who doesn't like things on fridges. Oh, right. And although you put up with them for a few years, once we got our new... You know, one of those things about smeg, someone tells you, but you can't put a thing on them. Oh, really? They're not magnetic, I don't think. So maybe there's a sort of plastic yeah, layer on them. Yeah, plastic layer on them. And so, so you can have ice on so demand. So all my postcards have disappeared <laughs> into a box. We've got a fridge in a cupboard now. Um, and we moved house a year ago. We've got a fridge in a cupboard and... Um, 
again, you know, not being able to have anywhere to stick your postcards and your and your the letters is quite. I have a shelf and I have an Art Deco letter holder that I bought from a charity shop in my early 20s, which is beautiful. I sometimes stack things in there on my desk. I think we're probably going to have to do a special podcast later just about postcards and fridges. I think <laughs> the, 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 the importance of the development of the fridge and how it may actually be responsible for the death of the postcard. And when you get the perfect collage, you need to take a picture of it, you know, preserve it, everything just right, relating to each other. Yes, though I did hear a story um, in this room um, about someone who had such a vibrant and busy collage of postcards on their kitchen wall, across the whole wall, that they thought that they were genuinely going insane. (laughs) (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> I'm just going to break, uh, break the tone slightly from this high-minded conversation, which I'm grateful for, with something less high-minded. This is uh, a card from the uh, Postcard from the Past archive. This is a card of Dunster Castle and Dunster Park. It's a symphony in green. Uh, lots and lots of uh, rolling hills. Uh, foliage and rolling hills. And it's a very honest message, actually. Here's, what I, here's, here's, here's the section I've uh, selected. This is a district remarkable for its trees. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think that was to? Do you think it was like, I've got to send a postcard to this person and I really hate them? It's Mrs. Person, Mrs. X, I'm not going to tell you who. Um, a neighbour, perhaps? A How neighbor? desperate must you be to find that's the thing you're going to write the postcard? Do you know what I love about these old postcards? And really see it in the ones that you brought in is um, one that's slightly, you know, yellowed quality as they age, <laughs> but also um, that matte quality of the photograph. Because it's like, you know, I really hate HD. Mm. And one of the things I hate about HD is everything is shiny like a bad 80s mm. video. Mm. And old photography looks like beautiful Technicolor film. It has this matte quality and there's a kind of richness. It's probably been a bit tinted. Uh, but that, that particular green, which has been given that little bit of <laughs> mm. extra boost in the 50s, like looking putting at, artificial colouring in a tin of custard. You know? The London one was definitely tinted. I was looking at some of the lights on that. Piccadilly Circus. I'm always disappointed not... that London isn't tinted in real life. <laughs> you know, when you look at all those old films from the 50s. 
One, yes, yes. It, it is in your dreams. That's, it is in my dreams. It's probably lacking the smog as well. There's less but bronchitis you, around. You talk about, you know, wondering who cards are addressed to. I think there was a whole layer of correspondence that doesn't really happen now. You'd send cards to your next door neighbour. Mm. Now, you may not be huge friends with them. You may never even have been in their house. Did you but, really do that? Yeah, I think I think there were a lot. Of, I got uh, a lot of cards. I remember written, uh, very polite, very formal. Yeah, not particularly super friendly, but it's an obligation. Yeah, I remember being on holiday, and you know, mum would have a postcard day, and she'd be there at the table just writing postcards to 50,000 people, <laughs> you know, many of whom I had no down. idea who they were. But they Doesn't might be keeping an eye on your house as well. So yeah. You were, or, or looking after your cat. Yeah. I got a lot of cards. Just let oh, them know you've arrived, all kinds of things. Fair enough. If you forgot to cancel the milk. I yeah. Don't know. I like the postcard a day, but then you have to go out and do it. Don't most people do, you buy your postcards on the first day, you write them, then you wait till the last day to find some flipping stamps. <laughs> yeah. And then you might post them at the airport if you're lucky. Yeah, and po- get, getting the stamps. <laughs> I mean, if one thing's killed postcards, it's exactly. such an ordeal getting the stamps. Well, you are listening to Podcasts from the Past, and my guests who are entertaining me, if no one else, are Peter Watson, <laughs> Samira Ahmed. Um, Peter, I, I spotted that you got <clears throat> two cards. What's the second yes. one you brought along that somehow managed to avoid the recycling machine? So this is a picture of Florida. Oh, it's lovely. Describe it. It's it's so what have we got? We've got, um, we've got, we've got a, lovely, a lovely sort of twilight blue. It's a twilight, isn't it? We've got a lovely moon there, uh, some palm trees Sweet. blowing in the wind. Yes. The sea, it's, a, it's an idyllic scene of America. It's, it looks it's like nearly the, all blue, isn't it? Just, it is, it's it incredibly blue. It looks like blue. the beach in contact where Jodie Foster lambs through the wormhole. <laughs> and, um, quite you nice. have a, fil- a film reference for everything. <laughs> it's quite weird, isn't it, to do a postcard that's, you know, with the moon rather than a, 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 during the daytime. I've, it is a, again, I've a not, dream image, though, Again, I've ne- I've never, I don't think I've ever looked at the front of this in any serious way. You see, but that's a real way. 80, 80s Athena poster time was all about the moon, the yeah. midnight blue mm. sky, the stars. Oh, a silhouetted palm yes, tree. Yes, silhouetted palm trees. Yeah. That was that was. I probably had loads of postcards and images like this on my wall. Mm. Yeah, you know, this is the idea of it. It was a fantasy of grown-up escape and glamour. I wish I'd looked at these more when I was. Um... Well, this, but the joy is they're still with you. So yeah, you I know. guess so. I'm going to go and look at all the others. Florida still looks like that. Yeah, and of course maybe there's a hint of you know uh, firing um, missiles to the moon. Of course, it's Cape Canaveral. This is true. Yeah. Yes, the moon moon was not just an image. It was a place you could. Send things. What's what's on the the flip side of this card? So this postcard, it was sent in July nineteen ninety four. The stamp there is a bit of a giveaway. It's um it's from uh, the it says the World Cup nineteen ninety four. It's a it's a footballer heading the ball very badly actually, and it says if this country were a football club, it would be Scunthorpe. See oh, you soon. Yeah. yeah. So he could only send that from America knowing that they wouldn't understand. <laughs> this is true. If you get that wrong, you'd have been arrested as you left customs. Yes, if you sent it from Brazil, it wouldn't have worked. If you tried doing that now, you'd be uh, interrogated. <laughs> and this was sent by, um, by a guy, a journalist, who sort of got me my first job in journalism when I was 17. And um, I was at the Sunday Times, and he was a football writer at the Sunday Times. And, and I found this quite astonishing because he was sending this from the World Cup, which he was reporting as a journalist, which is, you know. Dream. For, yeah, you know, for a 17-year-old boy, it was incredibly, you know, romantic and wonderful. And he was saying that he hated himself. <laughs> he was having a horrible time, you know. He would, he would rather have been in Scunthorpe. And this is a man who would have covered football in Scunthorpe, so he knew what he was talking about. Well, yeah, um, the team have done a lot better since. Yeah. I think, I don't, I don't know what he was... I've, I've never quite found out exactly what he found so unpleasant about um about the American World Cup, but I think he, he just didn't enjoy the experience. It's the process, not the team. Is, is I think right? so, yeah. I don't think it's to do with the, the standard of the football. It was more being a journalist uh, at a World Cup and the way you're treated and uh, and having to travel vast distances to go and watch pretty bad football. 
and and also in a country which doesn't you know nineteen ninety four didn't really like football, so you know there was no there would have been none of that sort of surrounding excitement and gala that you would have got at a World Cup. He must have elsewhere. hated everyone saying soccer all the time <laughs> yeah. as well, and of course it being regarded as a girl sport. School <laughs> This is true. Soccer mom. Also, it you know, Chris a is ungrateful though. A trip, a trip well, to the states to see the World Cup. I mean, Chris is pretty good. To Chris me. is and always has been a very cynical man. And um, yeah, I think he'd, he would have probably sent this postcard from any World Cup he'd covered at Where any did time he send in his it life. From? What term? What, what's uh, the postmark? So it's mid Florida. That's a bit vague, isn't it? Yeah, fifth of July, nineteen ninety-four. Fifth of July. Yeah. Well, the fourth should have been fun. This is true, isn't it? Yeah. He must he was, have had a really bad day yeah, on the fourth. Terrible day, yes. Printed in Canada. There you go. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was covering Ireland as well, I think. And I think they did quite well in that World Cup. Can I just check the postmark? You probably yeah. know more than me, Tom. No, I but don't, there must I don't be remember. a code on it. See, it says 327. Oh. It says it says Mid Florida, PDC, FL Florida 327. So someone could probably identify what that sorting office is yeah, and I'm where sure it could. was posted. Yeah. 327. Yes, listeners, get back to us. I mean, one of the things about this, it was also my first real sort of, you know, encounter with that sort of journalist's sort of cynicism and, and sometimes sort of lack of appreciation of how fortunate we are as journalists to meet incredibly interesting and being sent to a great place. And I, I like to think I've never quite been as cynical as that. I'm always very grateful for, for, for what I get to do. Totally. I'm um, really with you. I'm but a lot of people aren't. <laughs> I know. It's also, it can be a pose, can't it, I think? To sound world-weary doesn't always mean that you really are. I this think. is true. This is true. So you, what did you feel when you received it? You must have thought, well, come home, I'll take the job. Yeah, I can't remember what I thought. I mean, I, I can't even remember getting it. I just, um, I just remember finding it uh, the other, you know, the, a couple of weeks ago. What would I have thought? I think I'd have been confused. I still am quite confused, to be honest. I still don't quite get that attitude that you can go and cover a World Cup and be um, and, and, and be bored of, be bored of it. How old was your correspondent? How old was he? He would have probably been in his forties. Oh my God, that's old as that. See, and I, now knowing all I know, looking at the date, he obviously was having some kind of existential crisis, midlife crisis, day after Independence Day, and it's a plea for help. I've got to say, I mean, I know lots of... He's reaching out to youth. A, a, lot of, a lot of sports journalists, when they're sent to cover an event over a long period of time, do end up feeling like this. And I've got another friend who was an athletics correspondent. I remember he went to cover the Olympics at, at Atlanta. And um, he, I used to speak to him on the phone because that was one of my jobs was to answer the phone from journalists. And um, he, was in a, he was depressed. You know, he was having a miserable, miserable time. Just the way they were, I don't know, just didn't enjoy it. I think being away from your family for a long time, all kinds of things come into it. Do you think the other thing that happens though is that you're actually on a fantastic jolly having an amazing time <laughs> and you don't want to admit that you really are just having the time of your life <laughs> so you have to, oh, it's, you know, it's dreadful. I but like he was hung thought. over when he wrote that. Look at From the, the 4th? From yeah, the 4th of July. Yeah, it had been a big definitely. party. Well, thank you for sharing that one. He's, he's doing that over his... Uh... But this is a named correspondent so I, I only have to say that I think it was an excellent card and I think... <laughs> <laughs> it was a very honest and, and helpful message that he sent you. If in. you'd like to fill us in on any of the details about my theory about what was going on in your life at the time, please do. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. doctor is in. <laughs> <laughs> so the last uh, proper card in our in our uh, confessional cards uh, is with Samira. Now, what, what have you got for us now? Well, Samira? sorry, I'm afraid it's, it seems quite tame in comparison. It's one I probably bought in the last five years, and it's from the Jeffrey Museum, which, is, of course, is the Museum of the Home in East London near Bethnal Green, which I... Despite a lifetime in London and a lifetime of loving museums, I only got round to going to because I had children. I took them on a visit. And I think I took my daughter's uh, Korean friend, Hannah, who was moving to Hong Kong. So I thought, let's go and do a whole day out. And the postcard I've got is, what I love about it is I, 
at first glance, it's like one of the glamorous postcards I bought in the 30s, in, in the 1980s. It's like an Athena print. So it's, it's a 1930s glamorous couple leaning out of a window. Um, and it's obviously kind of, you know, London at night and the, the gentleman is smoking and his kind of Lucian is uh, on a sort of chaise long and the woman is a long gown. She looks sort of like Jean Harlow or something with her cigarette and long holder. And then you turn it over and you realise it's called The Arrival of the Jarrow Marches in London, 1936 oh, wow. by Thomas Dugdale. And they're looking out at this crowd of these, you know, Poor working class protesting um, at the people end in the north, of their journey. At the end of wow. their journey, after they've walked from Jarrow, and they, and she's looking at them as a kind of curio, and he's not even looking out the window. So, I think part of it was I was just fascinated by how powerful that image was because it completely deceives you. It sucks you in with the glamour, and then you realise, and you can't quite make out the marches very well, and then you have to look more closely. I mean, I'm obviously on a full size that we'd have got much more out of it. Um, and the thing about the Jeffrey Museum is, you know, it's it's a study of of um, of ourselves through our interiors. So it's all about, you know, what the way we furnish our private spaces might reveal more about our times and about politics. And so an image like this, I'm guessing they had it in their collection, I must have seen it big, um, obviously just grabbed me as being a powerful piece of art. But also, if I'm honest, I feel it, it seems so terrifyingly relevant right now in the growing social division we have in this country. It's a wonderful image, isn't it? I mean, because it was obviously completely, you know, from the artist's imagination, surely. You know, he's just come up with this yeah. as a way of And he's inside. It. He's inside the luxury apartment with the couple looking yeah. out. Yeah. That's the other thing that's yeah. interesting. It's not them looking up at the windows. He's also got an amazing pair of trousers on. Yeah, and the thing is, there's something there's something very P.G. Woodhouse about yeah. this, isn't there? And he looks a bit like an Oscar Wilde character. He's got this great long elongated arm. And uh... well, it's amazing what you can find in a in a little cardboard oblong that you buy in a museum and take home, which which is, you know, why we're here really. Um, I've got one more card from the postcard from the past archive, and then a little treat for you. Well, let us guess what it is. Oh, yes. Well, oh, is that St. Margaret's Church? No, hang on. Was there a ruin behind it? You have it? to be bad at reading, but I'll hide it. Um, oh, it I do not know my ecclesiastical buildings. It's a church, and yeah, it's sort it's of cathedral, attached isn't it? to something. Exeter? It's Buckfast Abbey in Devon. Oh. Uh, and it's a very nice card. Um, t- the photograph taken by... Um, uh, Nagel, uh, a well-known uh, photographer for John Hind. John Hind wrote a big postcard publisher. Um, this is a longer message than, than a lot of the ones I select, but um, I thought it had something about it. Having a great holiday. Have been to many places, including Cornwall, Bude, Totnes. I would, of course, enjoy it more with Sean and Sarah, but these things I'm trying to learn to forget. One being Sarah. Oh my god. Wow. So there's a heartbreak in that. I yeah. don't know. I think Or has it been the breakup of a swinger circle? I thought a breakup of a family, but that's <laughs> you may be right, Sarah. Sorry, what year was said? What's postmark? I try to avoid giving too much detail. Uh this is nineteen seventy four. Well, it's yeah. Swingers. Yes. yeah. It's not swingers. <laughs> The, the author, and I've actually changed the name of one of the characters because I felt it was too personal. But yeah, no, I think they've broken up. The family's broken up and he misses his... So he's the mm. father? I think so. I think so. All on a postcard, yeah, well, you know. Let's find the, out mm. why they broke up. <laughs> Before we're so simple. I mean, that is a, that's, that's quite a thing to, to write down to someone, you know, to, to sort of put your heart out there on that card on, on a, and send it away. Post, Obviously, you have to get it out. You know, maybe it's a time when... You can't talk to people, so you have to write it down and send it. Maybe he's it's aggress- easier for he's some people. He's aggressing away with the secretary who's had enough of him. And uh, 
you know, darling, would you take me back? Clearly people take different opinions <laughs> of the emotions in these cars. <laughs> All I could say is I'm, I'm a journalist, you know, I like to meet the individual involved and let's get the facts. <laughs> the, the readers can make their They're own They're always feeling up. sorry for themselves, aren't they? But I suspect if she'd walked out on him, he wouldn't be sending that postcard. Before we uh, go our separate ways, I've got one more card for you both to have a look at. Oh, wow. This is huge. And it's got a hole through the middle of the mountain. Why? Hang on, is it a record? Oh, yeah, yeah, well spotted. It's a postcard single. And That's it's fantastic. oh Grindelwald. I have I've been to any of these places. I've been close to Grindelwald. It's the the Swiss Alps. Um, Interlaken is in the middle, and it's called Berner Oberland. So that's what the um, area around Bern, I'm guessing. I guess. And oh, I might have been over. Swiss, Swiss hit. hit. It's a musical picture. What does it play? Does it play cuckoo clocks? Well, uh, David has been sorting out our technical end next door. Should we see if he can uh, oh. make it play for us? Oh, here it is. Is that German? Yeah, but it's Swiss German. There you go. <laughs> Very nice yodelling postcard. There's references to snow and things. I think it's a sort of general wistful song about beauty of the region. Well, as the yodelling postcard plays away, that's almost it for um, this episode of Podcast from the Past. I'd very much <laughs> like to thank my first-class guests for sharing the postcards from their pasts, Peter Watts and Samira Ahmed. Thank you both. Thank you. My pleasure. I wish I could doodle <laughs> to say goodbye. Give and it thank, a go. Thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> Bye for now. <laughs> You can see more postcards with their messages posted every day on Twitter. Do follow me, at Past Postcard. And you can buy the book, Postcard from the Past, by me, Tom Jackson, at Amazon and all good booksellers. And if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.